Well, friends, we have come to an end in our journey in the book of Philippians. And as I've been preparing the message this week and thinking about our time together in this book, I got to say I've been overwhelmed with gratitude to the Lord. He's been so good to us to have positioned us in this book at this time and and this specific place, this part of this book at this time. I'm in awe of God's provision and kindness to us through the book of Philippians. And as with the past two Sundays, we see today another timely word from Scripture that speaks directly into our circumstance during this global crisis. And in these final words to the Philippian church, Paul teaches them, in us consequently, how to be content in Christ. In fact, he says that the only way to be truly content is to be in Christ. Now, what does it mean to be content? Just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Well, to be content means to be satisfied, to have your desires fully met and to be resting in peace in that satisfaction. And I would venture to say that many of us over the past couple of weeks have had our contentment challenged. And I have no doubt that in the coming months, we will have our contentment challenged. Things have not gone the way we would have wanted them to, I'm sure, and they probably will not go the way we want them to as we move forward through this epidemic. And as a result, we feel anxious. We feel unsteady. We talked about that last week a little bit. We feel weak. And Paul, in our passage today, speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit directly into this experience. He knows what it's like to have your life upended. He knows what it's like to be forced into confinement. And his confinement was in a Roman prison. He knows what it's like to have your health threatened to the point of death. And yet, in the midst of those difficult experiences, in the midst of those hardships, Paul says that he's learned a great lesson. A lesson that you and I need to take to heart today. There is true contentment in Christ to sustain us in any circumstance. I want you to hear that this morning. There's true contentment in Christ to sustain us in any circumstance. Let's see how Paul teaches us this truth in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23 this morning. Here's what the Word of God says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned that whatever situation I am, I need to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Paul begins this passage by encouraging the Philippian church. The church has once again proved to be an enormous blessing in the life and ministry of Paul. From the very beginning, this church has partnered uniquely with Paul. That's what he tells us in verses 15 and 16. When Paul left Macedonia, there was only one church who committed to fund his ministry, the Philippian church. And when he was in trouble in Thessalonica, it was the Philippian church that sent relief to him to help meet his needs. It's clear that the Philippian church loved Paul deeply. They had genuine concern for him that led them to act anytime he was in need. And now upon hearing of his need in Rome, they've acted once again by sending Epaphroditus with a very generous gift. And Paul is deeply encouraged. But it's the reason for Paul's encouragement that it's of such importance for us today. Paul's encouragement is not just because of the gift. Now, I'm sure there's some encouragement there, as there would be any time you receive a generous gift from someone that loves you. But there's something more here. Paul is encouraged because of the grace of God that is being shown in the giving and the receiving of the gift. Even more so than the gift, Paul's encouraged by the grace of God that he sees being displayed in the giving and the receiving of this gift. It's it's the grace of God that led to the generosity of the Philippian church. And it's also the grace of God that has allowed Paul to respond in a God-honoring way, with God-honoring gratitude. And we've arrived here back at that all-important idea of contentment that we began our time of teaching with today. Their contentment, Paul's contentment and the Philippian church's contentment in Christ, is what has allowed them to evidence the grace of God in the giving and the receiving of this gift. And so Paul rejoices, as we see in verse uh, verse 10. He rejoices in the Lord, not in the gift, not in the Philippian church, in the Lord. Why? Well, specifically two things. I think are driving his rejoicing in the Lord ultimately, rejoicing in the grace of God above the gift. Firstly, it's the grace of God that led the Philippian church to be concerned in the first place. This kind of generosity we see in the Philippian church, it's not natural. This kind of sacrifice for the work of the gospel is supernatural. It was the Lord that knitted this church together with the apostle. It was the Lord that birthed the the genuine love we see between them. It was the Lord who gave the abundance to the Philippian church, out of which they were able to bless Paul. God was behind all of this. And they have offered a gift to Paul that's ultimately more a sacrifice to God as an expression of their ultimate gratitude in him. According to verse 18. And why would they do this? Because they believe what Paul wrote in verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus 
In fact, he's already supplied their greatest need. He's spoken into their spiritual poverty. He's spoken into their spiritual hunger. He's spoken into their spiritual sickness. And he has provided so incredibly for those needs. You talk about generosity. You think about the work of Christ. And what better thing for us to think about as we enter into this Passion Week, focusing upon the Easter holiday. Friends, we were desperate. We were destitute. We, we knew the greatest need that mankind has ever known in bondage to our sin, separated from a holy and righteous God, and would have been separated from Him forever. But yet, King Jesus left the glory of heaven, had the riches of heaven at his fingertips, left all of that, taking on human flesh to dwell amongst us, becoming obedient as a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that after his resurrection, those of us who believe in him, who give our lives to him, could be reconciled to God, living an abundant life here and eternal life forever. There's been no greater generosity than the generosity we've seen on display in the work of Jesus Christ. And because of his generosity, and because the Philippian church knows that their greatest need has been met, they now want to be generous after Christ toward their brother Paul who's in need. They're doing exactly what Paul challenged them to do in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. They've counted Paul as more significant than themselves, looking to his need more than their needs. And this is a work of God. What we see here in the Philippian church is a work of God, and that's why we must rejoice in him. Their contentment in Jesus has allowed them to be unusually generous toward Paul. They aren't concerned with accumulating unnecessary things. They know when they have enough. They know what is necessary. And they are willing to share everything else for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, I'm going to rejoice in that display of God's grace. But secondly, he's also going to rejoice in the display of God's grace in his own life. The work of God that he sees in his own life and the way that he responds to this gift. Remember, there's grace in the giving of the gift and there's grace in receiving the gift. Paul is grateful and he is appropriately grateful. Paul wants the Philippian church to know that he did not need this gift. While it's certainly a blessing, and he's not going to refuse it, it was not necessary because Paul had already found contentment in something greater than his circumstance. His well-being was not tied to material things. And he makes this point for two important reasons. First, he wanted to distinguish himself from certain false teachers who would manipulate people for material gain. They would promise access to God or a miracle for the right price. And aren't you glad we don't have to deal with any of those kind of false teachers today? No, unfortunately, we still do. But Paul was not among them, and he did not want to be associated with them. And so he makes it very clear that he's not engaging with them and ministering the gospel to them for material gain. That's firstly. But also, secondly, he wanted to show the fact that he didn't need this gift because it evidenced God's work of grace in his life. Paul knows abundance. He knows what it's like to live in abundance. He knows 
what it is to be rich in the world's eyes, as we saw in chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. He had power, he had wealth, he had favor, but all those things didn't lead him to contentment. All those things didn't lead him to a sustained joy or godliness. In fact, they ultimately led him away from those things. Paul knows what they lead to, and it's not what he's after. But Paul also knows what it's like to lose everything. He knows hardship, as he writes about often in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. Then later in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 to 27, three times I was beaten with rods, he said. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Sounds like Paul knew a little bit about dangerous times. And he says that it was in the middle of those dangerous times, it was in the midst of that hardship that he learned how to be content in any circumstance. True joy is not found in wealth. True joy is not found in earthly comfort. True joy is found in Christ. And sometimes we need a little bit of hardship in order to learn that so that our hope is not tied to earthly things that will pass away. No, God wants our hope tied to something, someone eternal, Jesus Christ. And in losing a little bit of the world, we can see how much we have already gained in Christ Jesus. Paul's response then to this extraordinary gift from the Philippian church is appropriate. He's grateful, but he has already been satisfied. The gift is certainly helpful, but even if God chose to withhold that gift, Paul would not be any less content because his hope is not situated here. His hope is in Jesus. And it's Christ who strengthens him. Not more stuff. Suddenly, verse 13 becomes even more meaningful to us in this season of difficulty in this right context. You know, verse 13 is so often misapplied. You see Philippians 4.13 everywhere. And it unfortunately leads people to do some very unwise things. I remember one of my favorite pastors, David Platt, was telling a story about when he was younger And he would have considered himself, I think, vertically challenged, but had a deep desire to dunk a basketball. And so one day he went out in his parents' driveway, basketball in hand. He saw the goal in front of him, and he made up his mind, claiming Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that he could do even this in Christ. And so he went toward the basketball goal, and instead of dunking it, he ran into the pole of the basketball goal. That's not what Paul is trying to tell us here. He's not saying that you have some access to superhero powers if you are in Christ. He's trying to teach us about contentment. 
what it means to be content in Christ. When we are rightly in Christ, we will see every circumstance as a way to honor him. We will not place too much hope in abundance, and we will not lose our hope in times of need. Rather, we will trust God, we'll trust his goodness in every circumstance, knowing that he has already met our greatest need. And friends, that is more than enough. Now, it's important for us to realize that this ultimate trust in God is something that is learned. Paul says he had to learn it. This kind of contentment is forged in the bowels of difficulty. It's forged in seasons of hardship. And friends, what a moment for us to lean into God's grace and learn this lesson. What an opportunity to experience exactly what Paul is telling us. As our contentment is challenged, and certainly will be challenged over the next six, eight weeks, as we have to weigh where our hope is placed, what will the Spirit reveal in us? Are our hearts ultimately set on Jesus Christ? Or do we think we are strengthened by something else? Do we think we need more than Him to be content? I know many of you who are watching today, you feel weak. You feel your weakness maybe in ways that you never have before. Many of you probably feel helpless. Here's a question. Do you feel, do you believe that Jesus Christ can sustain you in this moment? Do you believe that you can approach this moment of hardship in a way that advances the gospel and shows everyone around us where our hope is ultimately and rightly placed? It's my prayer that that in this season, we will learn to rejoice deeply in the Lord. That we will rejoice in our abundance, not because of how much stuff we have, but because of the opportunity that that abundance allows us to share in the trouble of others, to help them in their time of need. There will be no doubt that church members, family members, our sister churches, missionaries around the world will have incredible financial need in the coming months. Will we, who have much, be willing to share our abundance even in this uncertain times, is a testimony to our ultimate contentment in Christ. Now, I'm not calling us to be irresponsible, but I am calling us to be sacrificial because that sacrifice communicates something, that we are content in Jesus and we trust in the sovereign provision of God. And for those of you who are in need, those of you who feel weak today, where are you looking for strength? Is your hope tied to material things? Or are you truly content in Christ? Listen, the Lord may very well send you a blessing through his people. He may send you a blessing through the government that he has established. And I hope that he does. I hope you're able to receive that kind of blessing. But here's the question. When you you receive it, how will you respond? Will you be appropriately grateful? Remembering that your greatest need has already been met in Christ. Let's commit to letting this season of need remind us of the gospel. Again, a very appropriate thing for us to do as we approach Easter. Let's let 
the need that we see here remind us of our greater need. And let's let the provision that we see coming toward us here remind us of the greater provision that God has made for us in Jesus Christ, who so generously shared his abundance so that we who were poor could have innumerable riches in him. Friends, let's commit to be generous before the sake of the gospel. And let's commit to receive with gratitude for the sake of the gospel. Let everything we do in this time of quarantine be for the sake of Christ, because our ultimate contentment is in him. How do you need to respond this morning? What's a way that you can hear the word of God and and do the word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit today? Well, let me just offer you some questions to consider in response. Firstly, have you embraced God's provision for your greatest need? Maybe some of you who are watching today, you feel your spiritual need in a way that you never have before. And the weakness that you're experiencing and that you're seeing in yourself right now is pointing to a greater weakness, a greater need that can only be satisfied in Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to know today. God has made provision for that need in Jesus. If you will repent and believe in him, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you will acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do, the Lord will save you. And he will pour out his riches in Christ Jesus upon you. Oh, that you would do that today. I can't think of a more rewarding outcome of this difficult season than to see those around us come to know Christ in a saving way. But for those of us who are in Jesus, are you ultimately content in the Lord? How has this time challenged your contentment? How has it revealed in your heart maybe some things that you were relying upon for satisfaction, some desires that weren't directed toward God? Or how is he affirming that you've directed your desires in the right way because you are unshaken in your commitment to Jesus. For those of you have, who have plenty, for those of you who have abundance, who have not been affected financially during this time, uh, financial difficulty for many, are you willing to share? Because you rejoice in the work of the Lord to give you more than you need to share with those who, who need, especially among the people of God. And for those of you who are in need, are you prepared to graciously receive? Not because you need it to be content in Christ, but because you recognize that it is a gift from the Lord to help ease this season. However you need to respond this morning, it's my prayer that you will take some time in your homes, sit before the Lord, asking him to search your hearts and help you become more like Jesus, more content in Christ as a result of our time together. And friends, I look forward to the day when we can respond together as a people. I look forward to the day when we can do exactly what verse 21 says in Philippians 4 and greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Aren't you longing for the day when we can hug one another, when we can shake each other's hands, when we can see each other face to face at a distance that's closer than six feet? Well, until that day comes, let's end today 
the same way that the book of Philippians ends with this prayer over one another. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, I do pray that we would take these lessons to heart. God, that we would lean into your grace in this season and find contentment. That we would learn the lesson of contentment that Paul has set forth here. That we would rejoice in the Lord ultimately. When we have abundance, that we would give freely. We would give generously because of the work of Christ within us. And when we have need, we would receive it rightly in a way that ultimately reflects our ultimate contentment in you so that every response to this season points people to the gospel and the reality that we are ultimately satisfied in Jesus. Father, may you be glorified to how we, uh, through how we respond in this moment. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.